0: Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. Alright, how about up, Ray? Lord God, I thank you for today. and I thank you for just the privilege and the honour it is to be able to, again, just share your word and to, to just share some thought around it and and to just bring, Lord God, I guess my, my, my hope and my, my, my goal, Lord God, is that there's just seeds of hope, seeds of just encouragement, Lord God, for each and every person here this morning, that as they go about whatever it is, Lord God, their week's going to look like, whatever they're going about, whatever their duties are, Lord God, that they see your hand at work in their lives. They see your hand guiding and leading them in all that they're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what I wanted to do, for the next couple of weeks at least, I want to just spend some time looking at the life of Joseph. And there is just something about his story that I find that just is truly just captivating. There's something about it that, that his life is described in just such colour that there's just so many, I guess, principles and truths that we can pull out of it. So today, I guess, is, you can almost say it's a bit of an intro, an introduction to, to Joseph and where he fits into things. But just to highlight... It's just some introductory sort of thoughts around it. So the character of Joseph, we find him in the last few chapters of, of Genesis. And it's actually his portion. There's actually one of the larger portions of Genesis. So Genesis is about 50 odd chapters, roughly. And the story of Joseph starts chapter 37. And I think there's a a purpose there, I guess, in the scriptures to have this this story of Joseph, because not only is it another one of the stories of beginnings in, in, in Genesis, but it bridges into this redemption story and it starts to really sort of build this, the, the red thread of the, the redemption story of Christ that we now live through the scriptures. And so the book of Genesis, not sure if you're aware of this, but Genesis, the, 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 the word actually does mean beginnings, means, means the, the start of something. And, you know, the, the whole book is actually origin stories, you could say, of not only people and, you know, creation and, and you know, our, our interaction with God, but origins of, of the character of God, origins of, of, our, of the revelation of who God is to us. You know, obviously, you know, the, the most obvious sort of beginning story is the, is the creation story. The fact that we're given this this vivid, um, vivid description of the creation of the world, where it's a purposeful creation, where it's an ordered creation, it wasn't just chaos becoming ordered. Which, when you actually go into the science of things, actually doesn't make sense. But it's God making order. So I'm not going into evolution versus creation in in this particular message. That could be another message. But we see this this description of of God coming in and and being who he is. He's being he's a creative God. He's He's a magnificent God that that has unlimited creativity, has unlimited resource that we could just sort of say, no, let there be light. Let there be lights in the heavens. Let there be the stars and the galaxies and the universe that we see now via these amazing telescopes people have been putting up there. You know, the creation of God. But Genesis also describes the origin of mankind. That mankind was, was a special creation, separate from the animal kingdom. That we were created uniquely in the image of God. That humanity is creative like the God that created us. That humanity has purpose and meaning and and, and vision and and drive and aspiration like the God that created us. But Genesis also describes the origin of sin, of brokenness, that we were created to be in in perfect relationship and perfect unity with God. But we broke that. And it wasn't just broken for, for Adam and Eve, it was broken for all of humanity at that point. Genesis describes the origin of covenants. That God is a God that comes to us and, and, and makes promises to us and makes arrangements of, of relationship and connection with us through the story of, of Noah and Abraham. We see these first covenants being said by God. You know, after the flood, we, we, we see the origin of diverse language. That Humanity was actually under one language for a time. But God said, no, I need you to be diverse. I need you to, 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 to go about. And I think I highlighted a number of weeks ago in a sermon that I find it interesting that in the book of Acts, we see diverse languages actually bringing people back together. We see the, you know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the, the disciples speaking in multiple languages known to the people around them, bringing people together to, to hear the gospel. In Genesis, we we have the description and the the, the origins of the Israelite people, the people of God that were called apart to to be this demonstration to the rest of humanity of what it looked like to be in relationship with God. In Genesis, we see the origins of faith, where we see Noah step out in faith, where there hadn't been rain ever. And he builds his boat because God says, no, there's going to be a rain, there's going to be a flood that's going to Take out the world. We see faith demonstrated in the life of Abraham. Where he's living a life unknown to God and God calls him out and says, no, follow me and go to the land I call you to and I'll make you a blessing to all of mankind. So Noah and Abraham, you know, these first people that demonstrated what it looked like to step out in faith in our relationship with God. Genesis also describes the origins of the original people. If you take your time to work your way through Genesis, there's multiple times where it stops, and we often call those the boring bits of the Bible, don't we? These genealog- genealogies, but they actually are described. No, this is where diversity of people actually came from. After the flood, we, we, we hear where the, the sons of Noah left and went and, and, and became particular people groups that are known through history. Um, even Esau, you know, so. We've got Jacob and Esau, and it describes that his people became the Edomites, known people group where they've got archaeological evidence of these people. And what Genesis ends with is is the origin story, in a sense, of the Israelite people becoming enslaved. So it's not clearly described, but we go from Genesis into Exodus, which we are familiar with the story of Moses, that the Israelites have been in slavery for 400 years. And again, this is a connective the connective tissue you could say of this story of this of this redemption thread that God's threading throughout the scriptures and I love the fact that you know these origins and these 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 examples of God at work you know they're, they're not just they're not just you know mystical mantras they're not just these, these fanciful ideas it's not just yeah, you know, conceptualism was like, oh, you know, God is like this, and it's just this book of thought. It's a book of life, life experience, God working through the lives of people, and especially in Joseph, that's what we what we see. We have his life story, in a sense, painted out in Scripture, and we see God at work throughout his life, through the ups and downs. So that's what we're going to be following and having a look at. So who is Joseph? So Joseph, son of Jacob. So he's the 12th child of Jacob. So in Genesis, we're not going there, but in Genesis 35, verses 23 to 26, it gives it the, 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 the list of Jacob's uh, children. So it says the sons of Leah, the sons of Leah so this is the, the first wife that Jacob had, was Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, so if you remember the story of Jacob, this is the, the girl that he really wanted to marry, but his father-in-law tricked him, but he finally got her, Were Joseph and Benjamin. But in that interaction, if you remember, both the, the daughters said, oh, we will we'll sleep with my, my maid to, to, to have kids through, through her as well. So the sons of Bila, Rachel's servant, were Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Ziphar, Leah's servant, were Gad and Asher. So we have these 12 kids of Jacob, which we get the idea in the, the, the lineage of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so if you remember the story of Jacob, yeah, he was he was that crafty son. Even the name Jacob absolutely means deceiver. Yeah? like It's not like great name. I had a good friend growing up through school called Jacob. But... If you sort of lean into the meaning a little bit, maybe move on from that a little bit. (laughs) But he was. He was this crafty one. this this son of Rachel, who stole the birthright from Esau. And then he also stole the father's blessing. And for a time, he had to flee because of Esau's rage. And as we follow through the scriptures, we see that eventually he did make up and and, and come to terms with with, with what he did to his brother. His brother welcomed him back. And it says it's, in, in, at the end of verse uh, chapter 35 there, that they actually were together, were able to bury their father, Isaac, together. And if you remember, you know, Isaac was the only son of Abraham and Sarah. And this is where we get this, this title, you could say, when they're describing the God of Israel, where they say, you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And so even though Esau was the oldest, even though he was the rightful one, for whatever reason, God wrote this story not the way that man would describe it. Not the way that culture would describe it. But through the, the routes and the, the path that he set. So Isaac, son of Abraham, and then Jacob, the son of Isaac. And it leads us to this character, Joseph. And his story starts off with him being 17 years old in Genesis 37. So let's just read the first few verses of there. So if you do have your Bibles, it's Genesis 37. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Billah and Ziphar. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. You know, this, this this little section here is where we get this this vivid image you know, displayed in, in musicals and movies of this you know, what was the title? Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. You know, this idea that he was this, this, this son that was, was separate, that was special. And the movies display, you know, you know I'm, I'm thinking in particular of particularly the kids one the, 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 that we've watched with the kids a fair few times, Yeah, you know, Joseph, Prince of Egypt. And, you know, he's, he's just described and, and given this, this aura of, you know, he was just different, he was special. Which, in a sense, was true. There was obviously some some good seeds laid in him to live out the life that he did. But at the same time, when you read this passage, I see not necessarily someone that was just special, but I see someone that was spoilt. A term that um, our society likes to throw around a bit too often at the moment, but is quite fitting for this character, is privileged. He was privileged. You you look at verse 2 there. It says that you know all the sons were tending Jacob's sheep. You know, they, they, were, they were working for the father. But it describes this structure almost. We can say that Joseph worked for the sons. Verse 2 there. I'll read it again. It's the account of Jacob and Joseph and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers. So that was sort of the the bosses looking after the the assets of the father, and Joseph was working for them. But, verse 3, Joseph would go direct to the father with any issues and whinge about the brothers and tell the father what the brothers were up to. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm not a business guru, but that sort of structure is only going to breed conflict, isn't it? (laughs) If that was to happen in business, know, people sort of jumped ahead of their, their line manager in that sense, it just causes frustration. It causes conflict. And yes, there's a time for it, but you can see where this story was leading. He, he, he had this privilege. He had, he had this idea, well, no, I don't need to go tell you guys what I think you should be doing or you know, complaining or you know, say, well, come on, you should be doing this better. I'm going to go straight to the Father. And I see this, this boy, you know, 17 years old, Living this privileged life. And the father doting on him, and in a sense, you could almost say encouraging that. Isn't that one of the number one rules I tell us as parents? Don't play favorites. I know Prudence has a fun little story where her her nan said to her, Yeah, secretly one day, said, Oh, you're my favorite. And Prudence's like, Nan, you shouldn't be saying that. (laughs) She said it's (laughs) <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. But he played favourites, didn't he? And you could say he almost fed this, this child a wrong perception of, of life and the world around him. So yes, Joseph was special, but I think he was also spoilt. But then we come to this section which you know, really starts to build the story. We'll keep reading, chapter uh, verse 5 onwards. It says, One night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around it and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think that that you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told his dream to his father as well, as well as his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his fathers wondered what the dreams meant. Yeah, you know, we come to this this part where you know the the dream coat scenario of the story comes in where he has these fantastical dreams. And they're obviously not those regular dreams that we sort of have and go, oh, that was a bit odd and you know we forget it after an hour or so or whatever. It obviously stuck with him. It's obviously something that he mulled over and, and dwelt on enough to get to a point where he said, no, I, I'm gonna tell my brothers about this. But I just wonder if he regretted that step. I wonder if down the line he he thought, well, maybe that was something that was meant just for me. Because not only does this infuriate his brothers further, the fact that when he goes and lets his mum and dad know about what's going on as well in these dreams, finally his father actually says, no, come on, come on. What are you saying here? And his father actually questions the son that can do no wrong. But again... You know, reflect back to where we're starting with Joseph. He's 17 years old. What do we know about 17-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My point exactly. They know everything. They've got the world sorted. They're on top of it. They're going to conquer it. They just know, yep, yep, we're, we're here. Yeah? Top of the line. <laughs> <coughs> They've got it all figured out. And I just wonder if Joseph with his dreams just went, oh, yeah, come on, I like the sound of this. So not only was he spoilt and privileged and his father fed him on that, all of a sudden he's got these dreams that are quite fantastical, but something about them just stuck with him to the point that he goes, no, this is worthwhile sharing. This is worthwhile holding on to. But the fact is, you know, if you're familiar with any aspect of the Joseph story, doesn't quite go to plan, does it, for him? What he didn't realise is that God might have been revealing aspects of the end result, but didn't display any of the journey that he was going to have to go on to get there. So these sorts of dreams, it doesn't mean they're not from God. I believe this dream that Joseph describes was from God. It was God revealing an aspect of his future. It was God revealing, you know... a a calling and a a purpose to his life. But where Joseph read it as something to inflate his ego and make him even more proud and, and arrogant, God was going to use it to actually bring salvation to people, to bring redemption, to bring more glory to God. I just want to share a story as I sort of wrap this up. I actually had, I guess, a vision or a dream that I feel that God really did fulfil, but not in the way I expected. When I was about, I was probably fifteen or sixteen, around that age group. Um, in New South Wales, at least, Youth Alive was a, a massive youth uh, Christian ministry movement, and it was it was it had grown to that point that they not only uh, did they, you know, they, they used to travel around the state doing different uh, regional sort of, sort of events, but they started doing big state events. And they actually had their own band and everything. So the, the Youth Alive New South Wales back in the, the mid-90s there, they were actually making their own CDs, you know, writing their own songs that were specific to, to this Youth Alive ministry. And um, I, I got the opportunity to go along to one of these big state events. So the, the, the Coffs Church I was with, they said, hey, let's get a bus fill it up with young people and take them down to this event. And so I got to jump on that. And we came down, I think it was held at Parramatta Stadium. And, you know, for, for little coastal boy you know, from, from Coffs, this was huge. You had know, to come into the city, to come to one of the big stadiums. And, you know, they had all different amusement rides going. And then they had the main stage. <coughs> and they had a number of supporting acts to jump on. And then finally they said, all right, everyone up, yeah, come, come come on to the main stage. Youth Live Band's getting up. And I was there with, you know, I don't know how many thousand, but it was, you know, probably six, eight thousand young people watching this band rock out, doing their thing. And, you know, all these songs, yeah, you know, just praising God, but it was, you know, I guess contextualized to young people. So all jumping around and being crazy. And in the midst of this this concert, this 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 um, this outreach, I was watching this band and almost felt like I paused and stopped and watched them. And I had this real distinct sort of god moment where I was just like that's going to be you one day you're going to be up leading worship leading praise and worship before a bunch of young people and it's one of those moments that just stuck with me I was just like wow okay and it just didn't leave me it was one of those things that just sort of stuck with me stuck with me and you know being a young person I just sort of thought, oh well, okay, I'll, I'll start to get involved with Youth Alive and I'll start to sort of just put myself out there you know, with my school. I was in a Christian school and we did you know, our own sort of band things and was involved in the church, was doing lots of youth activities and that sort of thing. And I just sort of kept on you know, looking for opportunities and walking through doors and, and got involved with some bands and some bits and pieces. But then I ended up moving to Kuma. And even from Kuma, we are associated and working with Youth Alive a lot and we took youth from there up. And got to know, actually, a lot of the, the hierarchy and the, the I guess, the, the, the leaders of Youth Alive at the time. And I was just always just waiting, I guess, for that opportunity. You know? I've been leading praise and worship and leading you know, our youth band and things like that in Kuma. And I thought, oh, all right, God, where's, where's this dream going to happen? Where's this going to be fulfilled? And I guess in in my na- naivety, I always thought it was going to be because of Youth Alive. It was going to be through Youth Alive because that's where I saw it. That's, that's the vision I, I had. But I just sort of kept going about, I guess, the, the opportunities that God opened up in my life. And it wasn't until sort of probably, probably mid-2000s for me, where myself and Prudence, actually, before we were married, we were actually helping run a whole heap of regional youth camps where from Cooma, we would connect in with all the little youth groups from Goulburn, some of the Canberra guys. We had people all the way down into Victoria, so Orbos and Malacuda. Uh, even as far as Bairnsdale and Lakes Entrance. And we started bringing all these little youth groups together to these camps. And one of these particular camps, I think it was probably one of the biggest ones we had, we had about 140 young people at this camp. And it was at, um, uh, held it, uh, we did a split camp. We did one in Goulburn, we did one in, in, in Lakes. And at both these events, I got to lead the praise and worship. They said, Chris, can you, can you be our main, our main vocalist and leader for, for, for the praise and worship? And it was almost like that same moment. We're midway through one of the one of the praise and worship sessions. You know, 140 kids jumping around, singing, praising God. I don't think I did physically, but spiritually, it was almost like a pause. And just went, and God just sort of said, "Here you are. Here you are." And it was almost like God sort of said, "No, I showed you, and this is what I meant." And in that moment, I realised, no, it wasn't about being this lead lead vocalist for, for, for Youth Alive. It was about just being faithful to what God was presenting to me, which was you know, serving in my local church, serving the local youth group and, and having this opportunity to help out with these local camps that we're running, and regional camps, and leading praise and worship to a whole bunch of young people and seeing them being impacted by the gospel. So what's our takeaway? What I want you to know is that whether you've got, or whether you've had, I guess, a vision or a distinct sort of call or, or not on your on your life. Like that verse from Jeremiah 29, believe that God does have a plan for you. That God actually has purpose for your life. And that purpose may not may not be the grandeur of you know the purpose of Joseph, you know, saving this lineage and the, the Israelite people. But that purpose still has purpose. That purpose still is about not building us up, as Joseph was sort of thinking about, or even for me as a young person looking at this youth life, being, oh, that's going to be me, and I'm going to have all these you know, thousands of people looking at me. It's about bringing glory to God. You know, I think that first catechism that they talk about in the church Really does ring true so well, you know that the chief, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Yeah, that's that's what we're called to do. Yeah, God is intimate and a personal God, and He desires to work His will out through us. And so, we may not be necessarily responsible for the salvation of a whole people group, but just maybe we might be responsible for the salvation of that one person that we've just spent time with. Year after year, loving them, caring for them, just being that Christ example in their lives. Maybe that alone is enough in the sense that that's the purpose. That God's using you to just bring one more soul into the kingdom. That God's using you to be just that, that gentle light that just works into the lives of others. You know, a dream or a vision might show the end. Result, but it rarely shows the journey. So in the midst of the journey, don't, don't, don't give up, don't lose heart. Know that there is purpose on your life. Know that there is a reason for the ups and downs that God will use for his glory. And his heart is to see as many as possible be saved. Now, scripture paints that picture time and time again. So we're gonna look at the journey through the life of Joseph a little bit more in coming weeks. But just don't don't question. Don't don't not not question, but don't give up. Don't give up. Know that God is using the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the failures and the surprises to lead you on a journey for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for today. And I thank you, God, just for the privilege and honour to be able to share some thought. And I pray, God, that we can all be just encouraged, Lord God, to just continue on the path that you've laid before us. Jesus, I ask, Lord God, that you just continue to stir that hope within us, stir that that encouragement we need, Lord God, whether we're down, whether we're, we're feeling like things are going well, wherever we're at, Lord God, that you just continue to, to give us that drive to keep stepping out to keep walking in this, this life and this journey of faith. Not for our own glory, Lord God, not for our own good vibes, Lord God, for your glory, to display your goodness in our own lives and in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen.